Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. With linens, and then they had um, the same chairs that were out there, but they were covered with light linens. So think, you know, your best wedding, you know. And there was a big bouquet of flowers on the table. And um, that was for us, for the Americans that had come down. I was like, why do you want us to sit up there? <laughs> like, but that was how they were showing us honor. They were giving us the best seats in the house, you know? And, um, and, the, and when you study the word honor, it really means to value, to, to place a value on. And in 1 Corinthians 7.23, it says you were bought with a price, but it can also mean you were bought with honor. That root word can be translated as precious, a greater worth, or dear. To honor one another is to treat each person as valuable, costly, and precious. And in 1 Peter 2.17, it says, we are told to honor all men and women. Okay, all. So it's not just the ones that we happen to like or the ones that we happen to agree with, but all. I, and I, I looked up the word when I first started to, to prepare. It's like, what, what does honor, what can, what can the, um, you know, synonyms mean? And one of them, what, so some of the synonyms for honor are confidence, dignity, faith, trust, and a reputation. So people that, you know, when we're treating somebody with honor, we need to have confidence in them. We need to, you know, trust them. And, and um, what it's not, because <laughs> at first I was like, okay, that's good, but what is it not? Because sometimes, you know, you can understand a word better if you, don't, if you know what it's not. And what it's not is placing blame, criticizing or judging, uh, thinking they're unimportant, distrusting them, doubting them, or disregarding them. And unfortunately, I have a, um, a very uh, good picture of what it's like to not honor someone from my own personal experience. So, uh, so I have to back up, and obviously you all can tell I'm a little bit older. So, um, so the time I grew up, I grew up in a time where the phone was attached to the wall, and I was so excited when we got the long cord so I could go and sit instead of having to sit on the floor because I would have very long conversations with my friends. And I was also very excited when they developed call waiting because call waiting meant that my mom wouldn't get mad at me for being on the phone for two hours and she would miss her call, you know. So that was, that was a very exciting time for me. Um, but it also was a time when um, I was thinking about my cousin. He lives, uh, or he was my second cousin, but he lived in, um, oh my gosh, I just forgot. No, on the way to Detroit. Remember down by Jackson? No, Jackson Southeast. Come on, we went there. Help me out. Yeah, but there was there's another town. Anyway, so <laughs> close, close, other. Anyway, it's a little small town, and he worked at the Ford factory, and you didn't buy no imports, 
that's for sure. And we grew up with um, the idea that only um, extreme motorcycle gangs had tattoos. Okay, so, so here's my mindset. And I, I get saved, I come into the church, and our culture has changed extremely. And um, <laughs> my daughter actually gives tattoos. <laughs> so um, I, we had, uh, and this was at New Day, well, I think it might have been RCA at the time, but um, we had this youth, we had this uh, couple that was leading our youth group. And I remember um, my, one of my daughters, I can't remember which one it was, and it's kind of, I don't know, it might have been around your time. But anyway, um, no, I think it was after you. But anyway, she got a nose piercing. And my daughter came home and told me about it. (laughs) Well, excuse me? What kind of a youth leader would do something that outrageous? And I know right now you're probably going, seriously? But at the time, it was a big deal. It was a big deal to me. It felt like it was a lack of respect. And um, I was really angry, and there was another person, and we just, and we just tore this person down. And I thought, okay, well, I am a Christian, so this is probably not the best way to handle this. And um, I went, and I prayed about it. And one of the things that I have found over the course of my extensive time here at New Day is that when I'm really upset about something, if I pray about it, God will either change it, or change me. Most of the time, it's me. But sometimes, you know, what I'm praying about, he does change. And so I, I started praying about it, and I just could not let it go. I was just like, you know, here we're going to have rebellion in the youth group. What are they thinking, you know? And, and I know now I look back and go, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I was that upset about it. But at the time, it just felt like such a thing. And I went to Pastor Cameron, and Pastor Cameron said, actually, she submitted to her husband, who did not have an issue with it, and they brought it to me, and I said, if they're okay with it, I'm not one to say anything about it. And I'm like, what are you, are you kidding? Like, in my mind, that fear of letting things go was going to get way out of hand. Like, what would our youth group be doing next? I don't know, playing with Ouija boards. I, I don't know. I just was, I just could not even fathom. And so I continued to pray about it. And as time went on, God just really dealt with me. Like, what is your issue with this? What is the issue? And, um, and then what he did show me was my, how I was in my heart dealing with that person was I wasn't valuing them at all. As a matter of fact, I was disrespecting them. I was devaluing them. I was tearing them down. I was not trusting them. I was really doing the antithesis of what Jesus had told me to do. And so I remember calling her up and saying, could we meet for lunch? Now, I had never spoken to her, which makes this even worse. I had never spoken to her about this situation. You know, I had gone above her head. I had not gone directly to her. And um, so I called her, and it was probably a year later. Like, it was a long time. And, um, and I went to her, and, I, and we had lunch, and I just said, I really want you to forgive me. 
because this is what I did. And she said, I knew people were upset about it. <laughs> well, yeah. And I said, and I had no right to be. As a matter of fact, if you want me to, I will go get a nose piercing right now. I, and I was serious. I, I, I was thinking, I think I can't even imagine doing that. But just because personally, I'm like, uh, something in my nose. I can't do it. But I, I offered because I wanted to value her as much as God valued her. God had put her in that position, not me. And he had faith in her. And so I should have the same. So that's what you don't want to do. Okay. Well, I mean, the end part you could do, but not the first part. <clears throat> so um, honor creates life-giving and life-promoting relationships by accurately acknowledging who people are. Danny Silk said that. I wish I had said it, but he did. Um, honor creates life-giving, life-promoting relationships by accurately acknowledging who people are. So who are these people that we're talking about? You know, John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He thought we were pretty spectacular. God thinks we're pretty amazing. And he sent his son to prove it. So one of the things that we need to do is discern what people's God-given identities are. Who are these people? Now, if you were to come along and talk badly about one of my sons, you would be sad because I would be really angry with you. And that's, I mean, we all feel that way. Like, can you think of if somebody was to speak disrespectfully about your wife or your child or your mom? You know, little boys on the playground, they get upset because somebody said something about their dad or my dad can beat up your dad, you know. And um, when we, we think about that, and in and, and us, and each of us, we're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I know that feeling. But when you start talking disrespectfully or dishonoring someone else, you're talking about God's kid. Because each one of us was created in God's image. So when we speak harshly, and it's so hard in our society. I mean, if you get on Facebook or you look at the news, you know, Oh, this, that, or this person does that, or this thing does that. And I'm not saying that you can't call out truth for what it is. But when you start dismantling people's character, you have to really be careful because God created them in his image. And when we, um, when we look at people, we need to see what it is that God put in them. Maybe they're not living it out. I mean, the, story, the Bible is full of stories that were like that, right? I mean, God chose David, and he went through all the other sons who were big and strong and mighty and soldier-like, and, and then he picked the little one, right? And, and, but that's because God saw something in David's heart, and he knew that this is the one I want to lead. The same thing with Gideon. We know the story of Gideon. You know, he calls him mighty, you know, man of valor, and Gideon was hiding, you know? Doesn't seem very, um, very heroic at that point. But God knew what was in him. 
And so we need to take seriously what people are or what their potential is. Or ask God, how do you see them? What do you see in them? What is the gold that's inside of them? And speak that into their lives. And look at that treasure. It's not like... um, because I have some kids who are not following the Lord, but that doesn't mean that I always talk about their negative aspects. I speak into the things that are good in them or that God has put in them that I want to see come out. You know, um, I just had this picture. Um, it's like, like going for gold in a mine. You know, I don't just like, pull out the other stuff and go, oh, there isn't any here. There isn't any here. I'm looking for the gold. And the other stuff, I just, I throw away. I discard, you know, like when they're panning for gold. I haven't actually done this, but, you know, they pan for it and the stuff goes through. They don't, they don't like point out all the stuff that's not. They go for what is. And that's what we need to do. We need to be looking at what is gold in them and calling that forward and speaking life into those things. You know, we are free sons and daughters, not slaves. We should be treating each other as free sons and daughters and not slaves. As righteous, not sinners. As wealthy, full of what God has in them. In 1 Peter, it says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And just like I said earlier, honor brings a humility on that person where flattery will puff them up, you know. So we need to really think our motives through when we're thinking about talking to someone or bestowing honor on them. What is your goal? You know, what, what is your end goal? Are you just trying to bring out the gold in them? Or are you trying to get an advantage? Or are you trying to, you know, somehow make your way in so you can, I don't know, you know, get something for yourself? You know, when you do this, this impacts how we approach people. It impacts how we deal with um, even hard things. It impacts how we deal with confrontation, correction, and other issues. When we see people, um, when we see people and we honor them where they are, even if they're in the midst of a sinful situation, if we're honoring them, what happens is godly sorrow can come over them. Because I, I don't know about anybody else, when somebody, when I'm in the midst of my, you know, worst self. And somebody comes along and treats me with honor and says, oh, you know, God loves you so much. And he just thinks you're amazing. And he has so much pride for for who you are and the things that you've accomplished. All that gunk that's in there, all that sin, I suddenly, I'm overcome with godly sorrow. But if you come at somebody and you're like, you're a loser, you're doing this wrong, you're doing their reaction is not going to be godly sorrow. It might be a fist. I don't know. It, it, it's not going to be good. So, um, so there's no need to threaten punishment, which just brings shame and condemnation. You know, shame is removed through love. 
When we love people, that's what brings out that gold. Shame keeps people trapped and powerless. But love casts out fear and empowers people. It empowers, when you love somebody in the middle of their sin, it gives them power to overcome that sin. It gives them power to to become what God has called them to be. You know, it's funny. um, There was a quote that I read that said, that which we love, we try to control. Isn't that true? If we really love something or someone... We try to control it because we have a fear of it dissipating or going away. I think especially with children, you know, we want want them to do the right thing because we want to save them from making mistakes. But the minute you try to control someone is the minute that they rebel. So then why do we do that? (laughs) Like we know this, and yet I still do that. I still do that. If I love them in the midst of what they're going through, they can take ownership for their sin. They can take ownership for what they've done. And I, you know, I think now we we have um, boys in the house, and and I think about my one son who, whenever I bail him out, he just, when he gets into trouble, he looks to me to take care of it. But that doesn't really teach you a good life skill because you're not always going to get bailed out, you know? Sometimes you need to learn how to own your mess and then clean it up yourself and, and go to the Lord and, and um, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean we don't confront the issue, especially in our own household. But it does mean we confront with honor and with love so that they can take ownership and they can go to the Lord and they can take care of the issue that they're at hand. And that just empowers them to do that even better the next time and then the next time. And that's what happens is it causes growth. You know, when we were praying before church this morning, um, I, I love, I love going to church and having a radical encounter with God and having my heart completely transformed. But if I'm really honest, those encounters, those radical changes have happened maybe three times in my Christian walk. But what does happen is day by day, God changes us by, by this thing, you know, this little thing here. Hey, I want to tweak this. How about you look at this person differently? How about you treat this person differently? How about you stop saying this? How about you look at yourself in a manner that I look at you in? And then we become what God has asked us to become or what God has made us to be. And so um, so what are the benefits to honoring people? Well, you become known as a person who honors others. And then in turn become honorable yourself. When you treat them as God sees that, they start to become what God has said. You know? Isn't that what we want? We want to see people become the gold. 
It also brings unity. It brings unity in families. Because, you know, there's nothing. When you see people dishonoring each other, what does the family look like? It isn't pretty. And we have all seen it. But when you see a family that honors one another, that truly loves and thinks the best of one another, you see unity happen in that family. Well, that's what we want here at our church. We want to be able to do that at church, too, because we're a family. We're God's family. And then it also spreads out into church communities. You know, just like I said when I was growing up, and Ray and I had a conversation this morning just about, you know, some of the different denominations. When I was growing up, man, there was a lot of disunity amongst the church. Like, you were a Baptist? Well, I don't speak to the Protestants, and I don't speak to those, you know, Reformed people. And, and I remember my grandmother, who died when she was 100, and that was like seven years ago, so it was a long time ago. She said, well, I took my letter of intent and gave it to this other church, and I was like, what are you talking about, you know? I mean, it was a big deal. It was a big deal who you aligned with. I'm so glad that God is breaking that down now because really the church is the whole church. We are one bride. And just like the parts of the body that we talk about in the Bible, you know, New Day might be the fingernail on the pinky. And there's a whole lot of other churches that are just as valuable. And so when we start treating others with honor, we can treat other churches, other, you know, and, and then it become, we become the unified body of Christ. So how do we do this? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is, is see how God honors people. And you see that by reading your Bible. You read the story of David, you read the story of Gideon, and you see the other places in the Bible that God talks about, or God bestows honor on people. And then you go, you know what? I want that too. I want to do what God does. I want to do what Jesus did. And then you you, um, believe that you are who God said you were. You believe it for yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, it's going to be very difficult to love others. So you need to look at yourself, not in a proud, puffed-up way. Remember I said honor brings a humility. Just go, oh, God, this is what you have for me. This is what I want to walk in. And then you can treat others that way. And then you look for, and, and if you're like, okay, and, and I'd like everybody here to take a moment and think about the person that drives you nuts. Picture them in your mind. The one that makes you crazy. I, I did this with a person one time, and I was like, yeah, well, good luck with that, God. And, I, and he said, why don't you see him how I see him? And so I had to take a moment and pray and go, okay, God, so I'm going to have you guys do that right now. Close your eyes. And ask God, how do you see that person? Now, I don't know about you, 
But for me, it changed because he saw things that I never saw in that person. He saw things that I, as a matter of fact, what I, what I saw was this proud, manipulative, <laughs> egotistical man. And what God saw was a hurt little boy trying to hide from the pain. And it changed everything. So when we, when we are in a relationship, one of the ways that we can honor people is to know, actually know them, really know them. Not, you know, the big things. Oh, you have, you know, two kids and you have this. But like the things that they like and the things that they don't like. I honor my husband by knowing he don't like fish. He also doesn't like the smell of perfume. <laughs> and if I spray it, make sure he's far away. <laughs> so I, I know the little things. In your relationships, know the things that matter to them. Not just the big things, but the little things too. And care about the small stuff. You know, a lot of times we say, oh, don't sweat the small stuff. In relationships, it's the small stuff that can be the demise. It really can. In Deuteronomy, it says, uh, er, sorry, Uh, I, uh, there was a quote, a woman quoted a Deuteronomy um, when she was talking about soul friends. And she said that biblical friends are meant, meant to sharpen one another. And unhealthy friends make you spiritually dull. And this we need to, um, we need to remember when we're in the church. You know, I'm talking about all relationships, but especially in the church right now, that Proverbs 25 says, better is open rebuke than hidden Love, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I just, you know, if somebody in the church comes to you and says, hey, you know, I, you, need to, you need to check this. You need to fix this. We need to listen to that, you know, because their motive is probably wanting to bring the gold out in you, you know. Um, it doesn't, doesn't work as well. outside the church. (laughs) So relationships outside the church don't work that way because that they don't have the same grid, you know, that we do. So listen to what God says about you. And um, the biggest thing is to not judge, which is to condemn another person. In Romans 2.1, it says, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you pass judgment, because you who pass judgment do the same things. You know, we got to be real careful about judging others. Because we are asking for it back on us. And I don't don't want that. I I don't know about you, but I don't want that. And so um, I'm just going to ask you as we um, finish up here, to think about that person that you thought was, was difficult to honor or difficult, or that you had a difficult time with. And just take a moment and think, in what ways have you judged that person? A condemning judgment on them. Maybe it was about their character or their lifestyle. 
And then I want you to do this with me. We're going to pray through that. I'm going to model for you how to get rid of that judgment. Okay? And so I'm going to have you repeat after me, and then when I pause, you'll insert their name or what they did. So, And you can say it quietly. So, Father, I repent for judging. I forgive them for I renounce that judgment and I place the cross of Jesus between me and that judgment. In place of that judgment, I ask for honor. Show me, Father, how that relationship can change. So I don't know about you, but that brings hope, you know? That brings hope to situations that, wow, not only does it change you a little bit, but it brings hope to that relationship. And relationships can change. And that can be, you know, you can use that same model for your spouse, for your kids, or for the people that are really difficult. But I would challenge you this week as you go through this week that you look at situations and people through a different lens, that you look at them through the lens of honor and how God sees them.